0: Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the ministry of the Word this afternoon. Father, do help us as we come to Your Word in the systematic way to understand what it teaches us. In particular, help us to understand the Lord's Supper as we consider this subject. Help us to understand what Your Word word teaches and and help us to obey it, O God. May we, as Your people, cherish the Lord's Supper. May we approach it rightly so that it might nourish us in the soul. So God, do bless bless the preaching of the Word this afternoon, we pray, in the name of Christ and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Uh, Just to give you some context, we are moving very slowly through the Baptist Catechism. And we are to remember that the Baptist Catechism states the faith. The faith is preached when we preach catechetically. Uh, And when I say the faith is preached... I'm not only exhorting you to have faith, that is to believe in Jesus, but I'm saying this is what the Christian faith is. This is what we are to believe. This is what we are to believe concerning the Scriptures, concerning God, concerning man, concerning sin and salvation in Jesus Christ, concerning the Church, concerning the Christian life, concerning last things. Um, uh, That is what the Catechism uh, summarizes for us, the teaching of Holy Scripture regarding these very important truths. And I do pray Uh, that you, brothers and sisters, see the value of this, of uh, preaching the Christian faith in this way. In fact, pastors are called to do this. They are to teach the faith uh, to the people of God, and so I think this is a very valuable thing that we are doing. Now, we have been considering uh, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper for some time. Uh, We are going to be uh, talking about the Lord's Supper this afternoon, and this will be the last time that we speak of it before moving on to a consideration of prayer and in particular, the Lord's Prayer. That is how our catechism concludes, with a consideration of the Lord's Prayer. And then guess what we're going to do after we come to the end of our catechism? We're going to start over again. We're going to go back to the beginning and move through these doctrines. So that every two years or so, we, we preach through and teach the Christian faith. It's, a good, it's good for you, it's good for me, it's good for our children. It's good for those who are mature in the Lord and and old in the Lord. It's good for those who are young in the Lord and just beginning the Christian faith. Um, So do please uh, value this. Continue to come. Continue to to encourage others to listen to these teachings, even if they're not here because they're all all archived for us on our website. It's the Christian faith that's here presented. So with that is a very high-level overview of what it is that we're doing. And, And I held up this book earlier, by the way, for a reason. There's copies of this available in the back in the little, little tiny bookstore we have. Uh, but this black book is awesome. I carry it with me everywhere I go. I, I reference it often. Sometimes I even look at it devotionally because it is, it is so rich in this regard. But in the front there is uh, the Confession of Faith that we subscribe to, the Second London Confession. Uh, it, it's here in this little black book. But in the back there is the Baptist Catechism. And so if you don't have one of these, get one. It, it's really great to have it on you. Uh, Parents, it's useful to have it with you so that when you sit down to talk with your kid about the catechism with your kids, uh, you can can have quick access to it. Um, I commend it to you. But let us go now to Baptist Catechism questions 103 and 104, which ask, Who are the proper subjects of this ordinance? Uh, This ordinance being the Lord's Supper. Who are the proper subjects of this ordinance? If I could rephrase it, it's... um, who should partake of this ordinance? Who, who should participate in the Lord's Supper? The answer that is given is that they who have been baptized upon profession of faith, upon a personal profession of their faith in Jesus Christ and repentance from dead works. So so who should partake of the Lord's Supper? It's those who believe in Christ and who have been baptized upon profession of faith. These are those who have repented from sin, from these dead works. And then question 104 asks, What is required to the worthy receiving of the Lord's Supper? Uh, In other words, what should we do in in order to come to the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, in, in a way that is right? And I love the answer here. It is required of them that would worthily partake of the Lord's Supper, that they examine themselves of their knowledge to discern the Lord's body, of their faith to feed upon Him, of their repentance, love, and new obedience, lest, coming unworthily, they eat and drink judgment to themselves. I'd like to read 1 Corinthians 5, 1-8, through 8, this afternoon, uh, which is listed as a, a proof text for question 104, which we've just considered. Hear now God's most holy word. Paul, to the Corinthians, said, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not even tolerated amongst pagans, for a man has his father's wife. He's speaking to the church, remember here. And you are arrogant. Not only is there the problem of this sin, but there, there's the church is boasting about this sin. I continue. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from you, for though Absent in body, I'm present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. So, so far we've heard something about church discipline here, right? But here Paul says, Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. What an awesome passage this is. There's a lot going on here, and we won't be able to touch on most of it, in fact. But here is the exhortation. Uh, Christians, repent, turn from sin. Church, deal with sin within the Christian congregation. Don't tolerate it, but confront it. And if it won't be turned from, then then put the sinning uh, brother out. We are to celebrate the festival. He's using Passover language here. uh, With uh, the unleavened bread of of sincerity and truth. I think this has application to our approach to the Lord's table. In this way, when we come to the Lord's table... We are to be sure that we come with faith in our hearts and having repented of known sin. We are to pursue purity in our own lives individually and also within the Christian congregation. Let us now consider the catechism questions and their answers for just a moment. Back to question 103. Who are the proper subjects of this ordinance? Who are they that should be allowed to approach the Lord's Supper? They who have been baptized upon profession of of their faith in Jesus Christ, upon a personal profession of their faith in Jesus Christ, and repentance from dead works is the answer that is is given. Uh, to, To state the matter in another way, the Lord's Supper is for Christians. It's for Christians. It's for those who have faith in Christ. And what are those who have faith in Christ to do in order to say I have faith in Christ. How are they they to make that declaration? Not with their lips only, but according to the Scriptures, they're to do it through the waters of, of baptism. In baptism we say, I believe in Jesus. In baptism we say, by faith I've been washed by His blood. In baptism we say, I've been united to Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit. In baptism we say, Jesus is Lord. So we profess Jesus as Lord with our mouths, yes, but the Scriptures command that we be baptized as a public demonstration or declaration of our faith in Christ. And so that is the thing that we must do at first. That's the beginning of the Christian life. And it is those who have faith in Christ, who have been baptized upon personal profession of faith. It is they who are then to be permitted to the Lord's table because the Lord's Supper is for Christians. In other words, it's not for the world. It's not for the world. It's not for everyone. But it's for those who have received Jesus as Lord, who've been washed by His blood. Now, Jesus commissioned His disciples in this way. He told His apostles, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. This was after His death, burial, and resurrection, remember, before He ascended to the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. What a statement that is. Go, therefore and make disciples of all nations this is what you are to do apostles of mine you're to go from here and you are to be about the work of making disciples how how are disciples made uh, through the preaching Of the Word of God. Go make disciples, preach the Word, and trust that the Holy Spirit of God is going to draw sinners to repentance. Go make disciples, make followers of Christ. Do this not just amongst the Jews, remember they were all Jews who were the first apostles of Christ, but make disciples of what? All nations. Go proclaim the truth of the gospel to all the peoples of the earth. We know this is what they did if we read the book of Acts and if we study church history. And what are they to do with these disciples? Of Jesus, these who have turned from sin and have placed their faith in Christ to be his followers. What were they to do with these? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So those who profess faith in Christ were to be baptized. God's name was to be placed upon them Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The name of the triune God was to be placed upon them through the waters of, baptize, uh, 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 through the waters of baptism. But that is not all that the Great Commission says. It goes on to say, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So those who believe, who turn from sin and believe upon Christ, are to be baptized. This is to be done by the church. Um, they are to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But that is not the end of the work of the minister it is not the end of the work of the church from that point forward those who have been baptized are to be taught they are to be taught to observe all that Christ has commanded us there is so much implied in that in that command teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you it it means that growth in Christ is going to be a lifelong process it means that the church is going to have to be diligent in this in teaching it means that That The the church is going to have to be patient in this too because people come into the church and into faith in Christ, uh, not mature but but immature, and from there they must grow. From there they must learn uh, to to believe and to do all that Christ has commanded us in in His holy word. What I am saying to you is that the Lord's Supper falls under the category of teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Preach the gospel, baptize those who turn from their sin and believe upon Christ. That's all the stuff that needs to happen at the beginning of the Christian life. And then they are to observe all that has been commanded us. And, And the Lord's Supper, the observation of it, is one of those things. We know that Christ instituted the Lord's Supper during that last Passover feast. And He, on the night that He was betrayed, the night before He was crucified, commanded His apostles to To do this, uh, to partake of the bread and the cup, in remembrance of Him. And so this is what the Christian church is to do uh, in all times and in all places. Observe the Lord's Supper faithfully. Um, This is a part of the Great Commission, in fact, when we see that the Lord's Supper falls under the category of teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The Lord's Supper is to follow baptism, therefore, You hear me emphasize this each Lord's Day when I fence the table. I say this is for those who believe. The Supper is for those who have been baptized upon profession of faith. And then I do urge all to partake in a worthy manner. Baptism followed by the Lord's Supper. Baptism marks the beginning of the Christian life. The Lord's Supper signifies the continuing of the Christian life. Baptism may be compared to a wedding. The Lord's Supper may be loosely compared to an anniversary celebration. Does that make sense? Uh, how many times do we get wed? Once. There's a wedding celebration at the beginning beginning of a of a marriage. We do not get married, we do not have a wedding celebration over and over and over again. We do it once. And then from there on out we celebrate the marriage that's been that's been instituted. We we um Enjoy meals together on a regular basis. Sometimes we enjoy a big celebration. Once a year, we celebrate the anniversary. And it's kind of like that with baptism and the Lord's Supper. We're not baptized over and over and over again. No, we're baptized once at the beginning. But there is something for us to do regularly, and that is to observe the Lord's Supper as we assemble together as God's people. In baptism, we say, I believe, and Jesus is Lord. And in the Lord's Supper, we say, I still believe. And Jesus is still my Lord. I'm following Him still. In baptism, God says, this one is mine. He places His name on us. In the Lord's Supper, God says, I am ever faithful. And I am ever with you. For you are mine. So you see the relationship between uh, the two things. So who who, who is the Lord's Supper for? It is for those who believe. It is for those who have made a personal profession of faith. It is for those who have been baptized in accordance with the command of Christ. What is required to the worthy receiving of the Lord's Supper? I, I just said earlier, I fenced the table in this way. Um, if you believe in Christ, if you've been baptized upon personal profession of faith, then come. And then I say, come worthily though. Come in a worthy manner. Well, what is required in order for us to do that? Our catechism is... Very, very helpful. It emphasizes the need for self-examination. It is required of them that would worthily partake of the Lord's Supper that they examine themselves. Let's stop there for just a moment. In order to worthily partake, we need to examine ourselves. Do you? Do you examine yourself? Um, Do you examine yourself on Saturday night and on Sunday morning in the inner man, you see, saying, Is there any sin in me? And if there is, do you turn from it? Do you examine yourself to say, Am I still in the faith? Do I still believe? And if there is any doubt or any weakness, do you go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You you see, we must examine ourselves. And you'll probably notice that our liturgy on Sunday mornings helps us to do that very thing. Perhaps we've been negligent when it comes to examining ourselves on Saturday night or on Sunday morning ourselves. But, But what do we do? We read a call to worship. The Scriptures are read... We sing. We even have a time for the silent confession of our sins. The Word of God is preached in order to strengthen the faith of the faithful. And only after all of that do we come before the Lord's Supper. It's placed near to the end of our liturgy for a reason. We kind of march up to it, you know, after having had the opportunity to examine ourselves... Uh, throughout the early portion of, of, of the worship service. So it is required that we examine ourselves. But then three things are listed. What are we to examine ourselves of? One, of our knowledge to discern the Lord's body. In other words, we must examine ourselves to be sure that we know what we're doing when we partake of the Lord's Supper. We must know what it is, that here is signified the broken body and shed blood of our Lord and Savior. We're to understand what the Lord's Supper is. We're to have knowledge concerning its significance, what it symbolizes. We're to remember what it is that Christ did for us in His flesh, that His body was broken, His blood shed. He died as a substitute for us. We're to remind ourselves of the great truths of the gospel that are signified in the Lord's Supper itself. You've heard me say that the Lord's Supper preaches. I preach... You hear lots of words coming out of my mouth on a Sunday morning. I preach from the written Word of God, but the Lord's Supper preaches too. It preaches through its symbolism, and we understand what its symbolism means by the Scriptures. So we must discern and, and, and examine ourselves to, to know if we discern the Lord's body, if we understand what it is that He has done for us and, and how it is that the Lord's Supper signifies all of that. We must also examine ourselves concerning our desire to, by faith, feed upon Him. Um, when you partake of the Lord's Supper, you, you're, you're taking physical bread and physical wine into your body. But those who have faith in Christ know that something more is going on when we partake of the Lord's Supper. It's not that we are being physically nourished by this, but we are, by faith, being fed. Spiritually, We are in fact feeding upon Christ, not carnally, not physically, but we are feeding upon Him spiritually by faith. In other words, we must view the Lord's Supper as a means of grace. We must trust that the Spirit of God uses these common things to work within His people. You hear, hear me you, uh, remind you of this in different ways each and every Lord's Day as I, again... Uh, fence the table. That, that's a term that's emerged in the history of the church to describe what a minister does when he, when he kind of prepares the people to partake of the supper and warns those who do not believe or, or warns the hypocrites to not come near. Um, you, you hear me remind you of these things. Know what's going on here. Uh, know what it is that this is a symbol of. And, and, and when you come, come with faith knowing that you are feeding upon Christ, not in a fleshly way, but by the Spirit in the inner man. And then three, of their repentance, love, and new obedience. So we must examine ourselves to ask, have I repented of known sin? Is my love for God and for my brethren sincere? Am I resolved to live now in obedience to Christ from this moment forward. This is the kind of examination that needs to, to happen. Um, am I aware of what is signified here, the broken body and shed blood of Jesus? Am I remembering His finished work? Am I, am I in the faith? Am I believing upon Christ now? And am I living a life marked by repentance, love, and new obedience? You see, these are the questions that we should ask when we come to the Lord's table. And then our catechism concludes with this warning Lest, coming unworthily, they eat and drink judgment to themselves. So here is an allusion to that 1 Corinthians 11 passage, which we read before the afternoon service last Sunday, where Paul speaks to the Corinthians and warns them about coming in an unworthy manner. And he does emphasize that some, by doing so, habitually have eaten and drank judgment upon themselves. Some in that congregation were sick and some had died and Paul explicitly says to them, it's because of your sin your unrepentant sin and your unworthy partaking of the Lord's Supper. You've you've come in a profane way to something that is holy and perhaps the Lord has judged you for it. We must be careful here, brothers and sisters. Not everyone who grows ill or or even dies can we say it's the result of God's judgment upon them by no means. But but evidently Paul knew that congregation well enough to know that that's what was going on in this church. There was sin. It was rampant. It was profane. It was not repented of. And he could see it that God was in fact punishing that congregation uh, for their unrepentant sin. And so he warned them saying... Come to the table worthily. It's so important that we partake of the Lord's Supper. I I think um, it's very important that we do so weekly. Because the things that are communicated in it are things that the people of God need to hear weekly, whenever they assemble. Um, You know, I know there are traditions that do it less frequently, and and I won't really speak to that right now. We used to do it less frequently frequently. But the Lord's Supper preaches, and the message that it preaches needs to be heard by God's people regularly, each and every Lord's Day on the Sabbath, so that we might be nourished and strengthened in the Christian life. Um, That is our view. So, brothers and sisters, let us be sure to come to the Lord's Table in a worthy manner, each and every Lord's Day. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in Heaven, we thank You for the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, We know that these things, these acts, do not, in fact, save us in and of themselves. But we are saved through them when we trust in the things that are signified therein. And that is Christ, crucified and risen. We are saved by faith in Him alone, washed in His blood alone. And we thank you for Him, O God. So help us to enjoy these sacraments. Help us to rejoice within them whenever we see them or partake in them ourselves. And we pray that we would be strengthened in the inner man, especially as we partake of the Lord's Supper each and every Lord's day. May we be nourished in the faith so that we might serve you all the days of our life. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.